2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. My friends, we're continuing this evening uh, with this, the life and character, the work of the Apostle Paul. Really, I think we could spend so much time uh, on his life. Of course, he's a reflection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, he is also, as we've said a number of times, set in the scriptures uh, for us to be, uh, to follow. Follow me again and again, he says. And today we're going to see how we should follow the Apostle Paul in his constancy, in his never giving up, in his being the same, right from the time of his conversion uh, to the time when the Lord took him, at the end of his life, uh, he was uh, the same. He was constant. Well, friends, we have a very good reason uh, from the sources that we have available to us uh, to think of Paul as being around the same age as the Lord Jesus Christ, probably born around the same time as Christ. Probably he was a little bit on the younger side, but roughly we could say the same, and roughly then that will correspond with our AD uh, years. So uh, this, the best estimates we have uh, of Paul's age, we, we could say, are roughly the same as the Lord Jesus Christ. As somebody has said, when Christ was playing on the streets of Nazareth, with whatever games they were playing at that time, uh, the Apostle Paul, or Saul as he was then, was playing with his on, on the streets of Tarsus at roughly the same time. So the age uh, is uh, similar, and uh, we know that we can work out then that uh, the Apostle Paul would have been around 42 on his first missionary journey, 45 on the second, on the third missionary journey, uh, three years later, 48, and then 54 when he went uh, to Rome uh, for the very first time. Uh, he probably wrote uh, the first letter, uh, a little bit of debate about that, which is the first, but uh, gener generally regarded as First Thessalonians at about 46 years old, or a little bit around that age. And then the last of his letters, which is Second Timothy, uh, here about uh, 62 uh, years of age. So this, this second letter of Timothy was written, uh, as I'm sure you know, during Paul's second imprisonment in Rome, and one that would end in his martyrdom, uh, about 68 AD, the same year that Nero uh, died. And uh, from that we can work out probably that, well, 68 AD or thereabouts, we should say. Again, not, none of this is set in stone, but uh, making Paul probably around uh, mid to late 60s uh, when he passed away, when he lost his life, when he was martyred, uh, beheaded, as tradition goes. But uh, it was considered 
a long life. 60s is considered very young the, these days. People are living to 80s and uh, 90s even, and that's uh, 60s is, is quite young. But for first century uh, Christian, first century times, uh, not just Christians, but first century times, it was actually uh, quite a good age and an old age uh, to live up to. And certainly the Lord spared the apostle. Can you think of all that he went through? The tremendous trials and being uh, in the waters, uh, in shipwreck, in three days and three nights he was, and all the beatings that he took and the stonings and the floggings and uh, so many other things which happened to him which would have brought about a premature death for most of us, yet the Lord marvelously uh, preserved him. So you can imagine his body, it must have been quite a wreck, really. Uh, even he was, didn't look his age. He probably looked a lot older uh, than his age uh, because of all that he had uh, been through. Maybe that's partly why, why the people at Corinth didn't like him so much. And his appearance, uh, they said, wasn't that great. It wasn't so marvelous. Uh, and his speech as well is contemptible. Well, that may be uh, also have played into it. Uh, why they were not so appreciative of him as, we, as they were possibly of, the apost of, of uh, Apollos. But we see here that even though uh, out, the outward man had perished spiritually, he was still the same. Spiritually, uh, he was strong. Spiritually, he wasn't uh, worn out. He hadn't mellowed, and we see this uh, in his letters right to the very end of his days. He's still the same in his doctrine, in his beliefs, in his policy for the churches, in his zeal and prayerfulness. Uh, they hadn't uh, changed throughout the years. In spite of the heavy persecution, he never took his foot off the pedal. Uh, in spite of the toil and the laborings, the, the, all the weight of the churches being upon him, the imprisonments that he went through, uh, in spite of everything, he kept on going. He never, uh, uh, he never sort of uh, cooled in his zeal uh, for the Lord and for the church. Well, how different, friends, to so many Christians uh, of today. And it's sad to say that uh, so many friends, well, they start off uh, well in the Christian walk, walk but then gradually uh, decline over time. Other things come in, especially if a person maybe comes to know the Lord when they're younger, and then family, they get married, and family commitments come up, and then there's uh, jobs uh, that they are pursuing, and careers, and age, and some, as they age, they sometimes these things uh, become the more important things in their life, and the things of God uh, begin to take uh, a second place. They're not, they're not given up, uh, but they're, they're not as fervent uh, for the Lord as they were initially. They become a shadow of themselves. Not Paul and not John Wesley. We mentioned John Wesley uh, last week. Uh, John Wesley as well. <laughs> right until uh, the, his late 70s, he was putting in the hours and the miles and miles on horseback. <laughs> Travelling all over the country on horseback. I've been travelling up to Cambridge every now and again uh, recently. Uh, but uh, and that takes a good hour just sitting in the car. But it's nice and comfortable. And, and you've got the, the warmth on horseback. And at his age, in his 70s, still on that saddle, uh, going from place to place, uh, organizing the, the Methodist societies and so on, zealous, uh, fervent 
right to the end. And you can go back further uh, to John Wycliffe, uh, who in his old age was still sending out the Lollards, uh, the, his Bible preachers, and encouraging uh, those groups that predated uh, the Reformation. But uh, so many friends, uh, converted friends, are locked into this sort of mindset. They think, well, you know, we'll serve the Lord, we'll give him a time, we'll give him our youth maybe, but then there's that retirement period, and uh, there's that time when maybe I'll just, you know, I've done my bit now, and now it's time you know, to let others uh, come in, let the younger people bear the burdens and the responsibilities, and their zeal uh, runs down. It's a pity, really, because when you think about it, the best time, the time when they can be most helpful to other men and women in the church, is after they've known the Lord for a long time. Because then they've got all that experience under their belt. They've got so many uh, experiences with the Lord, and they've, they've been through some of the pitfalls uh, that, uh, in, in life, and they've tackled different things. And that's when they can best be of help to counsel others, to advise others, to encourage others. And uh, yet they take, or to witness to others, and yet they feel perhaps, oh, I've done enough now, and uh, let somebody else uh, do it. Others uh, deteriorate in, in, a, in an even worse way, we could say, and that's doctrinally. And in church practice, uh, whole churches are changing, sort of remaining constant. This is what the Lord has given us. This is the old parts. This is what's been handed down to us. Let's be faithful to what God has given us, and then let's hand it on to the next generation so that they can be faithful. Instead of doing that, people are changing. Let's adapt to the times. Let's see what, uh, even recently, I heard about a, a good preacher, a good pastor. He's not, he's not here anymore. He's, he's gone to glory. But when he went to a church, he said, well, uh, we need to change the Bible. We need to, we, the AV, <laughs> we need to switch to a more modern translation. And we need to bring in the, the modern songs uh, so that it can attract the young people to come in. So he was a good man, but he, was, he, he brought this uh, into uh, the church. And it's happening on a, a wide scale, isn't it? People are, are doing this more and more. The things that are, seem so important uh, will perhaps, they stop battling at, uh, at a certain time. They stop battling uh, for these things years down the line. I remember a brother, and uh, he was very zealous uh, to witness, and uh, very keen. He'd come from a Muslim background, and uh, he was keen to tell others about the Lord. But then after a number of years and a, a few problems and troubles in the church, he said, I'm taking a back seat now, and I'm, I'm not going to go forward. I'm not go going to, he still witnessed, but he, he didn't want to go out into the, the open air and witness to other people. He said, that, that's not for me anymore. Well, hopefully he's changed his mind, but... Uh, things that don't seem so important now, and even uh, the sort of church that uh, people uh, might attend, people may change. People initially may feel, well, I'm very particular about the church. There must be biblical churches. There must be a church where the word of God is central and uh, the, the worship is reverent and they're, they're concerned about, but as they go on with the Lord or they age, they move away from that, those moorings and they, they begin to think, well, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's all right, we just allow these things to come in. It doesn't really matter so much. And they lose the, their hold and the grip on those things which they once had. 
and so uh, let let go of these things, or just accommodate them uh, without uh, making a stand, without insisting uh, to the deacons and the elders, this is not the way for us to go. They just go with the flow, and there's no protest uh, put up. Well, we see something different in the Apostle Paul's life, and for him it was crucial uh, to hold fast, to hold fast the sound doctrines, to hold fast the church practices uh, that had been given to him, the reverent worship, the qualification uh, for church membership, the qualification for elders and deacons uh, in the church. All these to him uh, were revealed to him and were so important. He never tired, uh, he never accommodated uh, his scriptural views to suit the tide of opinion. He never re relinquished his spiritual duty right up until the day of his death and entrance into glory. So again, friends, what a, an example uh, he is uh, to, fo to follow. And in 2 Timothy 4, uh, which we're going to look through verse by verse, more or less, it's a marvelous insight into what we've been thinking about. And the chapter gives a, a wonderful list of areas in which the apostle never changed. And so we have to ask ourselves as we go through it, uh, have we changed? Have I changed? Uh, am I in danger of running down? Do we make, uh, of course, we, uh, we have a due regard for people who are older. Things do change as we age and are firm. We cannot do as much as we like to do when we are younger. And that's, that's natural, that's understandable. Uh, the young men, we can, in a sense, expect more from them to bear their burden. But what is our mentality? What is our mentality? Uh, spiritually, of course, are we like Caleb? who right to the, his old age uh, could say words uh, to this effect in Joshua 14 and verse 10 and 11. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he has said, these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war, both to go out and to come in. 85 years old, and he's uh, ready to go out uh, to war, <coughs> to military service. Well, let's uh, look at this chapter. Paul never changed. Verses uh, 1 and 2. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, Preach the word. And then, uh, yes, Paul, so firstly, Paul never altered his uh, presentation of the gospel. And here we see him talking about judgment with uh, Timothy. Uh, the Lord will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and uh, his kingdom. Whenever he presented the gospel, he always mentioned judgment. He always combined it with warnings. There was the encouragement to come, but he never omitted those hard words, those difficult words of warning. So many preachers, our friends today, and those that witness, oh, they're probably oversensitive, you know, use a, a, a seeker friendly, and they try not to upset people. Uh, we, they want to be loving, they say, in their presentation of the truth of salvation. 
Well, of course, we must be loving. It mustn't come across as a harsh, in a harsh way. I think I've said that a few times recently. Uh, we want to come across in a winsome way, in a loving way, and to truly represent Christ. That's how Christ won people to himself. He didn't badger people into the kingdom. But still, at the same time, that doesn't mean we neglect to talk about judgment. We neglect to talk about difficult things. Uh, we neglect to talk about a salvation from hell. How little do you hear about hell in the pulpits of today? Very little. And uh, the need to be rescued from sin. So much preaching, friends, today is people-centered, problem-centered. That's what it's all. That how God can help you uh, solve your problems. But uh, the main thing is how God can save you from sin and from hell. How many churches still proclaim these things? Well, we wonder. How many who years ago would have gladly warned all who would listen, but now they've changed. Now they're afraid uh, that if they speak in this uh, simple and clear and direct way, many will be turned away. Their congregations will become smaller. And so they refrain uh, from uh, speaking about some of these difficult things. How much do you hear about the anger of God, the wrath of God against sin? Well, very little, I would say. Well, Paul shows us here that he still believed in the, the judgment of God and that when the Savior comes, he will call all uh, to judgment to give an account of what they have done. Verse 1, Paul gives Timothy this charge. He does it as an apostle. He has the sanction of the Holy Spirit as he writes this portion of Holy Scripture and he tells uh, Timothy uh, what he must do. And the point here, friends, is this is not an older Christian uh, just telling a younger Christian and uh, what he should do and advising him uh, what to do. Oh, this is not Paul saying, well, I've done my bit. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go now. And now you've got to take over and do your bit. We've preached and witnessed in our way. And this is how we have set up the churches. This is what we did in our early days. But now, uh, Timothy, things have moved on. The years have passed and uh, the uh, people are, are not, not the same as when I first started ministry. You're living in a different generation. You can change things if you like. He's not saying that. Things are different now. Timothy, you must work things out for yourself. Uh, you must accommodate your teaching and preaching and work to satisfy this new generation that you're living in. It's nothing of that. He's not saying that at all. In fact, what he's saying is, I charge you uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, basically to, say, to keep on uh, saying and preaching the same things, to preach the word that, uh, I have, uh, that I've spoken, and to continue uh, to do that. You must stick uh, with what I have taught you, he's saying. Don't uh, go to the left or to the right uh, from it. Keep to the same truths. Insist on the same practices. We see that in some of his other letters and even to Titus. You must insist that the church follow what the blueprint that's been given to them. And uh, this is how Paul is. He gives no leeway for Timothy as a younger man to use his, uh, own, his, his initiative. As far as doctrine is concerned, as far as worship is concerned, as far as Christian living is concerned, all those things were set in concrete. Timothy's work was to perpetuate them, 
to pass them on the very same things that uh, he had heard from Paul and to urge the believers to stick with those things to make sure that he himself uh, as a pastor as well remained the pattern uh, in the church for others uh, to follow. Because why these things are important? Verse 3, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their thing, the ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. <laughs> Is Paul talking about our day? <laughs> People are heaping, heaping to themselves, not just one or two, heaping one on top of the other, teacher after teacher, uh, to, to themselves, having itching ears. What does that mean? They'll, they'll, the years, the, the things that they're, they want teachers who will speak to them, nice things, things that will tickle their ears and things that, that will interest them and, and appeal to them. They want that kind of a teaching. They want to sit under teachers who will tell them nice things. Well, uh, Paul says, that's why you've got to stick with the message that you, uh, I've passed on uh, to you. The Apostle Paul has laid down uh, the foundation uh, for these local churches. And uh, so solemn is all of this work that he, uh, he's been doing and passes on uh, to Timothy that he charges him in God's sight and in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, friends, we have, and as we think about these things, so many, even Bible colleges, don't we, devoted to progressive doctrines and uh, to new forms of worship, to uh, reinterpreting the Bible uh, itself uh, with the fullest range of free thinking. So much uh, is added to the, the many the churches, uh, and also many encourage uh, people, instead of encouraging them, stick with the word, you must stay with, oh, you're free, be a free thinker. You can think as you like. Oh, you want to introduce something into the church? Yeah, well, let's see what ideas have you got. And people are encouraged uh, to bring forth their own thoughts uh, into uh, the, the worship of God. But we uh, must, as a individuals and as a congregation, hold on to our Bibles and conform only and think, believe, act, uh, as we see clearly set out in the Scriptures. Paul remained constant in what he had been given, and uh, so must we. But then in verses 1 and 2, you can see another thing. Uh, Paul never changed uh, in his zeal and enthusiasm for preaching. Uh, in verse 2, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. Preach the word, uh, he says to Timothy. Nothing else uh, will work more towards the sanctification of God's people than the preaching of God's word. This is so uh, crucial, so important uh, in the church, so important uh, for the members in the church, those attending. There must be a faithful uh, preaching. There must be faithful preaching of the gospel. That's how souls are converted. There must be preaching uh, of God's word uh, to make people are holy. This is what the Holy Spirit uses. He uses the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, was, the apostle, uh, was, the, the, was Christ's prayer, high priestly prayer. And uh, these things 
friends, we want to advance in holiness. We want to become more like, like Christ just by being entertained in the church, just by singing uh, repeatedly, uh, endlessly, or by social activities. These things don't help us that, uh, spiritually. Only clear expositions of the Bible, uh, that's what we need. Little by little, precept upon precept, line upon line, we're learning as we go on uh, in the Lord, and we, things becoming clearer, understanding the Word of God become clear. We can't grasp it all in one go, but little by little, uh, we will, you'll find, oh, this is such a help to me. If you don't mind a personal illustration, uh, what, what happened to me, uh, I remember when I was in the charismatic church, and uh, it was all, <laughs> it was a lot of uh, puff and huff and puff and uh, smoke and so on, but uh, it never really, it would last like it was like, like a drug. You're up for, for a day, and then it gradually wore off. By Wednesday, you, were, you needed to go back to the church to get another high. Uh, but when I came to know the Word, when you come to know the Scriptures, and you begin to understand it, and you begin to have it taught to you and explained to you, suddenly you are, it's like a di you're on a different level. And you found, oh, there's a stability that comes into your life, into your, your Christian life, because you're beginning to understand the God's Word. And that's so vital uh, for us. And then, uh, so Paul, uh, here I see uh, his, uh, his enthusiasm uh, for preaching. He went everywhere, isn't it? Preaching uh, the Word and the Gospel. Uh, friends, the pressure is on these days, and we have to say all these things tonight, but the pressure is on these days to move the pulpit out of the way and to bring in the orchestra and, uh, or a social center. Uh, that won't accomplish God's designs. We must not change uh, in that area. Paul never did. Again, really, I just saw this recently, a very, very, very well-known preacher in America, and he had happened to have his whole service online. And it began with, an, uh, with the orchestra, and, uh, the orchestra, a full orchestra, a huge orchestra, and he's got a huge church, of course, a big church, and thousands of people attending. And then you have the solos after that and other things. And then comes the message later. No, it's, good. it's a good message, no doubt. But why have all the other things there? They're so unnecessary. Well, let's move on. Paul never changed in uh, his uh, discernment as well, verses 3 and 4. The time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine, as we read, uh, but they will turn away uh, for, from the truth. Uh, we need, friends, discernment uh, to see things as they really are. This is another crucial aspect of our thinking. So many believers stop thinking Stop, they just go along with whatever is done. There's no sense of, uh, hang on a minute here, uh, this is not biblical. What's happening here is not biblical. This, the way they're doing things is not quite right. We shouldn't be doing that. Or saying, how can that preaching and that uh, teaching square up with my Bible? If you hear something in the pulpit, and we, we just, people just accept it. Or surely this worship is not worthy of our, our great God and Savior. So many just people just fit in with what's happening. Or oh, they feel things, oh, maybe it's okay. As long as the young people are happy, then uh, it must be all right, isn't it? Uh, but what happened to discernment? What happened to examining things? And 
weighing things up and asking those questions, those difficult questions maybe, is it uh, biblical? Instead of the men of Issachar, they were men that had the understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. But uh, today, friends, we have to wonder, isn't it? Well, Paul continued, even here, into his old age, discerning, uh, looking into things, judging them by God's word. And as we see in verses 3 and 4, a warning. And his, as he said, even to the Ephesian elders, that he ceased not to warn them day and night with tears. That was his way, right up to the very end, discerning and warning. Uh, and it was, he never changed. And we too, right until his mind, as long as uh, we can, uh, as long as age and our abilities can, we have to not stop thinking carefully and considering our beliefs and practices uh, scripturally. But then I move on hastily to verse uh, 5. Uh, another area in which the apostle never changed was in encouraging others. And here in verse 5, he's encouraging Timothy to watch in all things, to endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of his ministry. This is his way of saying, come on, Timothy, watch. Come on, Timothy, do your bit. Make, uh, make an effort. This is your work, Timothy. Come on, you can do, do it. Get on with it. And all those things uh, that he's emphasizing uh, here uh, is uh, a, great, uh, a great deal of work and effort required of Timothy. And he's encouraging uh, this younger brother to get on and do it. He's not encouraging him to be lazy, uh, just to enjoy the Christian life and uh, the full expression of Christian happiness. Of course, Paul wants all the blessings uh, to, to be his, but this is his uh, sort of primary way, we could say, of encouraging other people. He encourages them to watch, to endure, to work, to minister, uh, to serve. Well, there are not many teachers or fellow Christians who have these things on their agenda, uh, doing it themselves and urging others uh, on. But this is what Paul was like uh, at the beginning of his ministry and at the very end. And then verse 6, uh, here we see Paul was ready. Uh, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Even now I'm ready to be offered. The point is, even now, after all Paul had gone through, and you might think that's enough, uh, Paul, you've earned your reward for now. But no, Paul says, even now, this final stage of my life, and he knew he was in the final days, months, years of his life, even now he says, I'm ready uh, to, to be offered. And uh, if he had been released, I'm sure he would have continued as he was. Do you remember in, in his first imprisonment, this is his second imprisonment, in his first imprisonment, uh, he, he was released and he didn't say, well, I've, you know, I've been in prison now and I better take a you know, sabbatical for a year or two and then come back. Straight away back into the work. Nothing wrong with taking a sabbatical. But uh, for Paul, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he said, no, I've got to uh, carry on uh, doing all these things. He was always ready, always prepared uh, to do uh, the Lord's work. And uh, when time and opportunity uh, came his way, right from Damascus uh, and that uh, time when he preached and 
they were out to kill him. And despite everything that happened to him, uh, well, he was willing to uh, go through it all and still uh, serve the Lord. He was always ready to serve the Lord no matter what. Well, as young Christians as well, we might have been so willing to do anything. Perhaps when we came to know the Lord, we said, Lord, I'll go anywhere you, you send me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm all yours, Lord. That's the way it should be. That's the way how it should always be. Lord, I'm always at your disposal. I've known you now for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I'm still at your disposal, Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? It's still the same as when we first come to know him. And uh, I'm willing, ready, uh, and ready to do whatever you tell me. That's that submission, isn't it? Uh, that uh, each one of us uh, need to pursue. And then verse 7, uh, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Well, how many have said this when they're <laughs> uh, 25 or 30? But Paul says, uh, no. Uh, says it here rather at 60. And remind ourselves it must be the equivalent of 80 years old today. So Paul knew how to end uh, on a high. And we can be absolutely sure he knew that even though he was soon to die, uh, I, he, he could say, I have fought a good fight and I have uh, finished uh, my course. And uh, he's gone uh, all the way right to the very end. Uh, as an illustration you could think of uh, not, perhaps a course of antibiotics and you're given a course of antibiotics and you know you your doctor tells you, very, looks at you very soberly and tells humbly, and tells you, now you must take this course of antibiotics right at the very end. Don't stop halfway. Well, it's the same, in a sense, with the, the course that we are on as believers. You mustn't stop halfway. You must go on uh, right uh, to the very end, to the triumphant end. Keep the faith. I have kept the faith. Oh, isn't it, friends? What a way to die. If we, on our deathbeds, we can say as well, I have kept the faith, Lord, right to the very end. By your grace, I've kept it, and I've been helped. Oh, uh, this is how. I haven't, I haven't changed my beliefs. I haven't gone about uh, with every wind of doctrine. By your help, I've been kept on the straight and narrow way. I've kept to the Savior and the gospel. I've kept uh, to the way, that the, the promptings of the Spirit. From the moment of conversion, oh friends, if we can say like this, uh, then this will be a blessing to us when we come to leave uh, this world. Paul could say that from the time of his conversion right until the time when that Roman sword uh, fell on his neck. He remained the same. But then verse 8, and I have to really move on, uh, his hope, his sure expectation of glory, his anticipation of glory never changed. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, uh, he goes on to say, which the Lord uh, shall, the righteous judge, shall give me. He never grew dim. He always expected uh, this, this hope was ever uh, in his mind, in his heart. All was full of purpose in life because it was leading him to glory where he would see his beloved Savior. And uh, heaven it must be kept in our minds. Verses 9 to 11, uh, Paul was never afraid to denounce. And uh, we have to be a little bit careful here. Uh, but at times, we must uh, 
be able to denounce. It was not something Paul delighted uh, to do, to denounce other, other people or to uh, warn about other people, but uh, it was necessary uh, for the safety uh, of the churches. And here he, he speaks about Demas uh, forsaken, forsaking him. And uh, then in verses 14 and 15 about Alexander the coppersmith who did much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works of whom be thou ware also for he hath greatly uh, withstood our words. Well, uh, sometimes a young preacher, maybe they start off and they're, they're full of uh, boundless zeal and they're fearless uh, to denounce, but as they grow older, and then they get to know uh, and become friends with, uh, with others, and they become afraid uh, to denounce uh, error for some, other re for some reason, and they compromise. Well, we have to be careful, as we said, but at the same time, we have to warn our congregations. Uh, things are not getting better, uh, getting any better. We must now and then speak out even though we might be misunderstood by people. In verse 11, we see uh, how he never wrote people off, but even he, he, he asked for Mark. Uh, he tells Timothy, bring Mark uh, with him, but he, because he's profitable for me. Always magnanimous, always loving, uh, even though at times he needed to show that steely exposure, uh, outward sh uh, exposure. And uh, he is... He is uh, one who has this tremendous balance all through life, knowing, uh, ex always loving, and yet at the same time, knowing how to express things uh, which need to be said, difficult things. But in verses 12, uh, we see him there arranging, still organizing, still arranging, still growing, still directing, still delegating things uh, in churches, as he grew uh, older. Uh, verse 12, Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus, that's for ministry. And then in verse uh, 10, uh, B, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. He's got these churches in his mind and he's sending out uh, his fellow workers, no doubt with messages and updates uh, to these other churches. The care of all the churches was on his uh, shoulders and uh, he was ever even sacrificing probably. He probably needed these helpers. That would have been a great encouragement to him. He was, it's almost pity, if you feel some pity for him. In verse 11 he says, only Luke is with me. He was, there was a loneliness also uh, with, with him. So it cost him something to send out his fellow workers. Yet the care of the churches was something that was high upon the apostle's heart. He was ever thinking about uh, others and the glory uh, of God in those local churches. Well, friends, how much is the church in our hearts? Is it someone else's concern? Well, what can we do? How loyal do we remain? What support do we give? For Paul, all these things remained constant throughout his Christian life. Or, oh, that we might ourselves have a continued concern and loyalty to the Lord's work. And then uh, verse 13, uh, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments, especially the parchments. That's um, more than likely a referral to, to Scripture. 
to the Old Testament as scriptures. Right to the end, the word of God was everything to Paul. Not the garden or the holiday or even the family. Those uh, responsibilities are important. Uh, but the Lord gives us so much to enjoy. But for Paul, uh, the scriptures, uh, make sure you bring uh, the parchments. Well, friends, will we, how will we end our days? With the Bible on the bookshelf or the Bible on our laps? And uh, still learning, still delighting in it, still reading it, as uh, somebody said, still being pushed in the wheelchair uh, to the services. Is that how we would like to be? Well, why not? Uh, that shows where our heart is, even though our body uh, may give up on us to a certain degree. Uh, verses 16 to 17, uh, we know that when Paul was delivered from his uh, imprisonment, uh, he didn't retire, as we've said, but here we see him still answering. At my first answer, no man stood with me, uh, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me. This is his defense uh, before uh, Caesar and uh, those in authority there. When, but when he was released that first time, he continued the work. And if he had been released the second time, uh, he would have done so uh, as well. He wouldn't give up his Christian service. There was no discharge in this war as far as Paul was concerned. Well, will we be like that ourselves at the end? Faint, but still pursuing. Verse 18, uh, strong, constant in his faith and trust uh, in the Lord. Verse 19 and 21 to 21, still full of love and concern for individuals. Verse 22, he sees, we see the sincerity of, uh, of his, of, uh, of him, the Lord Jesus Christ, be with, sorry, I beg your pardon. Yes, that's right. The Lord Jesus Christ, be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. This is what his sincere wish and desire is for all Christians. Grace uh, does it all. Grace, friends, that's what we need. Paul remained constant. Paul uh, never changed. Well, may what's true of him be true of each one of us. Amen.